Welcome to the Cryptocurrency Teens podcast, a podcast aimed to educate teens on cryptocurrency and financial literacy. Each episode features thought leaders in the crypto and blockchain industry or inspiring entrepreneurs from the business world who share their career journeys and words of wisdom for teenagers. I'm Abigail Lee, the host of this podcast series, the founder of CryptocurrencyTeens.com and a junior in high school from New York City. For this episode, I'm excited to interview Nikhil Varma, entrepreneur, industry advisor, and designer of blockchain-based business models. Nikhil is a trained computer engineer who worked several years as an entrepreneur before doing his MBA and PhD from HEC Montreal. He is currently an associate professor at Ramapo College of New Jersey. His drive for sustainable organizations and society led him to explore blockchain. He teaches blockchain in several universities around the globe and also has designed several business applications in blockchain. Nikhil, I see that you are the university associate professor at Ramapo College of New Jersey. Can you tell us more about your university and your role? Sure, sure. So I started uh, in Ramapo in 2016, and I joined in the management convening group of the Annisfield School of Business, which is the business school of Ramapo College. I was hired to teach operations management and management related courses, but uh, you know I had a background in analytics, so I got into analytics teaching. So I teach management related courses and analytics at the undergrad and grad level. Now, one of the reasons why I joined Ramapo was that you know I did a lot of groundwork to look at you know schools which would fit the kind of personality that I have. And Ramapo's core focus was to make uh, a lasting impre- impression on the student's life. They actually have this line, strong foundation for, uh, for students for a lifetime of achievement. And there's a, there's a big, big uh, initiative that Ramapo has and you know, believes in, which is to promote diversity. We have inclusiveness, sustainability, student engagement, and last but not the least, I think community involvement. So you want to have a lot of things in, in this area. And, and the liberal college mantra which Ramapo has is, is the differentiation that it creates in its students. So I teach in the business school. And interestingly, uh, I just don't teach business as business is taught in most schools, but I teach it with a very liberal arts orientation. You know, and, and I believe that that is going to make uh, managers better managers of the future who are going to be more effective. And, you know, it's the most important thing that I think is to have humane managers, you know, it's, uh, and, and that's what uh, Ramapo is all about. And that's what I do there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply engaged in multiple initiatives in the campus. It's just that I love the school, I love the environment, and I love what the college wants to uh, impart to the students. Right, and you teach blockchain in several universities around the globe. So as someone who teaches this, how do you keep up with the rapidly evolving and growing blockchain industry when developing blockchain curriculum for your students? Uh, that's That was actually, you know what, uh, blockchain teaching was never a part of my training process. Neither did I take a blockchain course anywhere. I am kind of self-taught in this area. And, and, and to be able to teach blockchain in several parts of uh, several uh, universities in the world, uh, the biggest challenge that I faced was to understand my target audience. So I started with one small session for my MBA class at Ramapo. 
an evening session. Very interesting session. It was kind of a you know a, a, a seminar workshop kind of a setup, and and it was very interesting. My dad also attended that session for some reason. I don't know how it happened that he was visiting us here, and then I brought him there. So it was very interesting to have my dad there, and I'm speaking to a big group of about sixty odd people in a big auditorium, and I could see that they were very interested in uh, the initial part, but they could not get the later part. This was my very first thing. This was quite, I think, about four years back, if I'm not mistaken, five years, more or less, four or five. And, 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 and then I evolved from there. I tried to understand what is it that I need to tell them about blockchain. You know, if I'm speaking to managers and I talk about the computing world terminologies of hashing, they're like, what is he talking about? And same thing if I go to computing people and I talk about decentralization and disintermediation and how this is going to change organization in the future, they'll be like, okay, this doesn't make sense. So it was a lot of grinding. I think I must have spoken in about 30 to 40 odd forums outside the teaching process. Now I teach a, a blockchain seminar to research students in, in Norway. I've taught blockchain in, uh, to research students in India. I've taught blockchain for um, uh, as a, a prospective course in many universities. I've designed a course myself at Ramapo. I've designed a certificate. So these this has kind of evolved over the years. This is this is not that it was not like you know I already knew what I wanted to do and I kind of got started with it. So it was a bit of a challenge to start with. But so, now I think I'm having fun. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of knowing what you wanted to do, what was your career journey like to get into the crypto industry? And why did you decide to get into this industry, especially as a professor? What brought you into this non-traditional sector? <laughs> uh, non-traditional sector is the, you know, what happens is, you know, sometimes it's it's the kind of person you are, right? Uh, so I was always an entrepreneur at heart and actions, irrespective of wherever I was. You know, as a kid, I I, I always used to do things which was not very, uh, you know, class-like. I would do something different. If uh, if the teacher would ask us to write an essay, I would write something and give her like, you know, this is my story. And she would like, okay, uh, I'd ask you to write an essay. Uh, same thing in university level, work level, every, every place I was... I would not say I was the brightest in my class, but I would say that I was different. And I, I always tried doing things very different. So, uh, but it probably was driven with this whole pursuit of trying to solve problems. I wanted to solve problems. Uh, I, want, I wanted to do things which were grounded. Uh, thinking abstract was always fun for me, especially when I was doing PhD. But even there, I wanted to bring it to something which was not very complicated. And that is why probably I was, you know, I worked in the industry for quite some time. I was, a, I think I was a misfit in the industry because the kind of work that you have to do there, of course, you are in the big picture of things. Everybody is working towards solving a problem, but sometimes it is very fuzzy. It's not clear to you as to what are you trying to do here, right? So I did my master's in computer engineering. I have a computer science background. I worked in the industry for quite some time before I went back and did my uh, did my MBA and then eventually my PhD. And, and that is where I started realizing that, you know, uh, uh, my, my technical background is my strength, definitely. 
but my weakness was how do I kind of operationalize that strength to solve problems, right? If I just write a problem where which prints your name 500 times on the screen, big deal. What's the? It's not solving anything. Yes, I'm able to demonstrate that I can play with the code. So this is where going back and, and starting management and, and, and also then coming to Ramapo, getting more embedded in this whole liberal arts thing, uh, I started looking at the big picture, or uh, uh, you know, and and mostly um, how I could do things that could help the society. So I was never motivated with the blockchain, with the Bitcoin price going up or down. And to be honest with you, I did not have cryptocurrencies until last year. So I was there for quite some time, but I I I did I, it was not the cryptocurrencies that actually brought me here. It was the blockchain, the beauty of blockchain, the things that it could do. Uh, when I looked at the problem of society in the society, where you know there is a big disparity. Not talking about socialism. It's not socialism. I'm a business school professor, and capitalism is the key mantra that we all believe in. But even uh, when we are practicing capitalism, we have to be aware of the fact that we can't leave a big strata of the society behind. We have to have mechanisms to be able to bring them into play. And that is where, uh, when I started understanding blockchain and decentralization, and I was like, okay, you know what? This can solve lots of practical problems that we're looking at, especially problems in education, supply chain, healthcare, and now, after COVID, amazing things. We can do such amazing things with uh, with uh, if we have a blockchain-based system. So yes, I've been working on uh, different things. I've been looking at blockchain as an industry, uh, as, a, as a professor rather. I'm looking at blockchain as uh, for my research and what all things I can bring into the classroom. As an entrepreneur, I'm trying to see, okay, you know what? There is an opportunity there. Let me look at that area. So that's what uh, actually brought me to blockchain. I also saw that you were interested in um, issues of sustainability. Can you tell us more about the connection between blockchain and sustainability? Absolutely. See, one of the, the, the key mantras of sustainability is triple bottom line. Yeah. So when we are looking at to be able to be sustainable, you know, we want to make sure that there are there is economics that we look at. There is environment that we look at, and then that is the community that we look at. All three things. These are three, you know, like three legs of a stool. Now, if you just look at environment and environment and environment only, good for you. But then you might miss the economics, right? And if you miss the economics, then that might not be a sustainable solution. Yes, I do understand that we are getting into an age where environment is becoming like a red flag for all of us, especially for a younger generation, we don't even know what all things we are going to see or they're going to see, right? So we want to make sure everybody is safe here. But at the same time, when we are talking about a sustainable solution, we have to make sure there is economics tied to it. There is uh, environment and there is society. And what else can bring this solution better with a decentralized system? Because when we are talking about society, we are talking about equality in the society. We are talking about making sure people get their right share, right? And you know, just a small example of a sustainable approach is fair trade. Yeah, we all go to Starbucks 
buy, buy coffee, feel good about that coffee. That's sustainable coffee. There you go. Now that is Starbucks telling us that they have procured this, uh, the, the, the coffee through sustainable means, which means the farmer has got the right, um, right money, what they should have been getting. But how do we validate that? Do we even know what is fair trade, right? So when you actually dig deeper and look at fair trade system, just from a sustainable perspective, farmers don't sell more than 20% of their produce in fair trade because the fair trade system is so complicated, okay? Now, if we implement this whole fair trade app system in a blockchain, this is a talk that I gave in my fair trade startup week at Ramapo, and I showed, how blockchain can be a fair trade solution right away. You don't need to go and certify people to be fair trade compliant, but as a customer, you will be able to see everything from a fair trade perspective. So sustainability and blockchain are have deep connects, have real deep connects. That's really interesting. I did not know that. Our target audience are teens around the world who are interested in crypto and blockchain. So what advice would you give them about entering this industry in the future as a career? Sure. It's interesting that I've been speaking to a lot of teenagers. My son is yet to, is going to be a teenager this year, but I've been speaking to a lot of teenagers myself uh, uh, and, and kind of trying to gauge with them because at the end of the day, they are the target audience that I speak to mostly. Uh, I don't know just teenager or just past teenagers is what uh, you know most of the times I get to see them. Uh, very interesting, uh, I think this new generation, I think they are called Gen Z and Gen Alpha, right? Uh, all, all kinds of interesting names keep coming up. But my only advice to them, and this is pretty consistent. I don't know why I've been observing this, but it's it's just out of discussions. Maybe they just are more comfortable when they see a teacher in front of them. Most of my discussions have been centered around them just talking about money and talking about how cryptocurrency can get them rich, right? And I think that's like, you know, the first step is wrong the moment you actually start seeing it that way. In fact, blockchain is a slightly higher order construct. It is like, you know, uh, even when you actually, you know, when as teenagers, when you actually go to go to uh, uh, drive a car, right? They don't let you drive a car right away, right? They tell you, okay, these are the rules of the game. These are the symbols that you need to know. This is how you drive. This is the speed limit, right? Then you actually get to sit up in the car and then somebody drives the car, right? So blockchain is the car here, right? We first need to know where do we need to drive it. First, we need to know the landscape. First, we need to know a lot of things, right? So my biggest advice to people who want to get into the space is to first of all, understand the philosophy of blockchain. First of all, understand why blockchain was created, right? Of course, there is a lot of decent uh, distributed ledger technology talk that has been done in the past. But if you actually go and dig deeper into Satoshi Nakamoto's paper and his motivation and his secret code that he put in that first Genesis block of Bitcoin, it was freedom. It was to be able to liberate ourselves from this clutches of, I mean, of course, I don't want to, I'm not anti-government, I love the government, but to be able to make sure that whatever we do, we 
as a society, we have the power to make a decision, right? And if, if we have the power to make those decisions, then we will make sure that everybody is, is the same because we won't create any entry barriers, right? And when we don't create entry barriers and there is no power and there is nothing that kind of sticks there except for what you do there, right? And that stays there forever, right? And, and, and that is what I would advise the younger generations to look at. Look at the problems. Look at the problems that we are going to face. Look at the problems that you are going to face. I'll give you one small example. My son is 12 years old. And one day I told him, he said, you do a lot of blockchain. I want to learn about blockchain. I said, no, I don't want to teach you about blockchain, but I want to teach you about social justice. And he's like, what is that? When I explained to him what social justice is, and then I told him, now I'm going to show you how blockchain can solve this social justice. And he's like, wow, that's really cool. I can understand that I can solve a problem, right? And then in that process, if you make money, see, making money is not a bad thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Trying to make money is not a bad thing. But if that is the sole motivation of your life, then we have a problem here, right? Then we have a serious problem here. But if we solve problems, if we do something to make this place, this earth that we live in, we don't have any other space to live in, at least until they, they fix something in Mars, but for now we are living in earth, right? And, 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 and if we don't fix the problems that are here and that we will be, which are just growing by the day, you know, what is the point having money, right? So it is important that we fix the problem in that process succeed. And that would be a sustainable success. So that is my, my advice. That is what I would I'd always, always, that is what I tell uh, the, the teenagers and the younger audience that I usually have. Yeah, I mean, rather than thinking about blockchain as like solutions to sustainability issues, I think most people, adults and high schoolers alike, usually associate blockchain and crypto with Bitcoin, money making, and all of the um, pop culture teen references to <laughs> like Dogecoin that, and all of that. That's true. And, and you know what? Uh, it's not bad to get influenced by these things. You know, when I was your age, even I would be influenced by these things. I was like, wow, this looks cool. But at the same time, you have to pursue something which is sustainable, right? Uh, when I told someone that, you know what, the money that you're holding in your hand is of no value if the government tomorrow decides that this is of no value and, and all your savings would be turned into say $0, because it can just be said that you know this is of no uh, this this currency is no longer uh, functional. They looked at me as if I was coming in from another planet, but when I gave them some instances of scenarios like this, then they were like, "Oh yeah, this is this makes complete sense." Then you know, at the end of the day, there are just a few things that stays there. That's you as a person, who you are, what you can do, right? So. You know, if you don't have the ability, maybe you got lucky. Suppose you bought a token for one millionth of a cent and that turned into a cent. So you are a millionaire at the age of 16. Good story, not sustainable. It doesn't happen to everyone. So don't pursue that. In fact, I tell people the easiest thing to do in life is to study. 
right? The other things are very difficult. So first study, make yourself, you know, make yourself capable of doing things and then pursue your dreams. Yeah. Um, as a professor yourself, um, for the high school juniors and seniors who are deciding which colleges to apply to, do you recommend any good colleges to study crypto or blockchain at? And if you don't, do you think a formal education in blockchain or crypto is important? Uh, I'll answer the first question, okay? So first, and then I'll answer the second part. So uh, in fact, I feel that, as I mentioned to you, right? Blockchain is a car, right? You need to first know where you're going to drive your car, right? You need to be able to understand the power of this technology. Fine, you can get, you can learn blockchain, you can study blockchain, that's fine. But if you don't know what is the purpose of this, then you might just get lost somewhere. So uh, just to kind of give you an idea where blockchain mostly is in the current times, it's mostly set up in executive education. And then a very few schools have kind of added blockchain into the curriculum. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, schools like, uh, I think Columbia has, a, has an executive program. Oxford has a very good program. Cornell has a very good program. Berkeley has a very good program. Princeton has something with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So all the big schools are already kind of marking it, but they haven't brought this in their undergraduate curriculum. The reason why they have not brought this in their undergraduate curriculum is because the all undergraduate curriculum, I hate to say that, sorry, uh, all undergraduate curriculum is outdated. We are, we are still thinking in a centralized manner. When we talk about accounting, we don't talk about, when we talk about, say, finance, we don't talk about decentralized finance. We talk about centralized finance. You study about finance regulatory bodies. Why don't you study about decentralized finance as to how you can use a community to be able to make an impact on a society, right? So essentially, I, I feel that it is the faculty who are teaching you courses like accounting, finance, law, supply chain, social justice, even computing, Computing always used decentralized in a big way, but the purpose of decentralized, you know, they should first transform their courses. They should first say, you know what? I am going to teach you the new type of organizations of the future. I'm going to teach you that you, a protocol is good enough as an organization, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. And you're like, okay, now how, what is the purpose of a decentralized autonomous organization? Is once you understand that, then you study blockchain, right? However, there are some interesting things that people are trying. I don't mean to be, you know, I can just tell you what I am doing, but I know many of my colleagues have kind of asked me to come and talk about blockchain in their undergrad class. That's what uh, is also interesting. So I am demonstrating the power of blockchain in my operations management course, which is a core course in my business school. I'm showing them the power of blockchain in my business and sustainability course. I'm not teaching them blockchain. I'm just showing them the power. So essentially they're seeing the power, they know the problems. And then I say, hey, you, by the way, you know what? If you use blockchain here and they're like, what is that? They get interested, they start looking into it, right? But decentralization, how decentralization works, we will have to rewrite a lot of things, lot of things. In the in the education that you're going to have, and you know it, it's 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 beginning to appear in places, but it takes some time. So uh, I would 
mostly ask uh, people who are looking to get into blockchain again just to repeat to be able to be going there with an open mind when somebody teaches you a core concept yeah make sure you understand how that concept works and what are the different permutations and combinations of that concept that could possibly happen if we talk about justice what is distributed justice we talk about consensus what is distributed consensus like i'm working in publishing right now i have a solution i'm talking about distributed publishing between people who don't know each other using a blockchain system right and when i tell that to people they're like oh that's crazy but that's cool so because we never thought of things like that so go there because your generation and upcoming generations i think are most technological savvy i i i used to think that i was pretty good with technology until you know when my 12 year son and my 10 year daughter kind of put me in my right place when i'm not able to do just basic things when i am a trained computer engineer and i'm very technically savvy even then they're a lot smarter than me so you this generation can make the difference can change things this is what i hope and this is what as a teacher i'll continue to strive for yeah that's really interesting actually i think a lot of schools and a lot of institutions haven't really adopted blockchain or crypto as something they take very seriously so i think that's pro- that's probably one of the reasons why like you said they haven't fully put it into the curriculum for undergraduates that's right yeah yeah Um okay so do you have any safety advice or really any words of wisdom or general advice you would like to share in regards to teens looking into learning about the specifics and technicalities of blockchain Sure uh again I'll repeat that I've been saying that which is stop watching this get rich overnight articles and videos that's i mean the moment somebody says crypto like even in your side they'll say crypto oh where should i invest how can i make money does she have some advice for us you don't want to get into those places focus on yourself look at models such as decentralized finance if if you like money go and look at decentralized finance see what are the things that you can do there right look at some problems in the world use that solution for to solve that problem and then make your money who's stopping you from making money but don't try to don't kind of you know this is the solution is what should get you the money the money should not be a solution so you know you have to be careful with what you're trying for and and uh, of course uh, i i would appreciate i always like uh, uh, anyone uh, talking about new cryptocurrency like you know there are several cryptocurrencies that i myself many people ask me about okay what is this cryptocurrency all about and then i tell them this cryptocurrency is going to do this and this is going to have this and that is why i think there is a good future in this cryptocurrency that's why right because i understand the domain i understand what are the problems that they are trying to solve here but if somebody says oh i'm going to buy this cryptocurrency because there was a 30% growth last week and this way this week uh, there's a projected 20% growth so i'll grow my money 20% and then i'll get out of this position that doesn't quite make sense to me. Right? How did you yourself learn about all of this blockchain and crypto? Very interesting thing that happened with the blockchain was you know I was reading about uh, uh somehow I got hold of Satoshi Nakamoto's uh you know research uh, that first paper uh, which he published white paper. And I was like 
what is this guy? This guy is like is talking about something. It's very abstract because it's very direct. He's just talking about you know the Bitcoin protocol. And then I started speaking to a few people on uh, who who do a lot of social justice and all that stuff. And their sole problem was that this centralization of power. So they, they, they are not blockchain experts. Their problem was centralization of power is essentially blocking and creating roadblocks in that particular area. And then it just happened that a good friend of mine from Montreal, where I used to live before moving to the United States, he contacted me and said, you know what? We are doing a very interesting project. Would you like to be an advisor to our project? And like, what is that? And he's like, oh, we are making a platform where musicians can make music and share because we love music and you know we had common interests. And, and then I was able to connect somehow. Oh, it was not instant. It was. It took me some time. I was able to connect the dots that okay, now you're liberating musicians from these big record companies. We can also do the same thing for society. And that's after that, you know. I think 80% of my reading content has been blockchain only. Uh, of course, I read a lot of junk because, you know, everybody wants to write these days, but that doesn't matter. Uh, 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 my perception uh, has evolved over the time. I started off as a technical person trying to understand the technology, then the social aspect, then the problem aspect, and now I am actually being able to apply blockchain to multiple problem solutions. So people come in and tell me, okay, you know what? I have this problem. Can blockchain solve it? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. But, but I need to talk to you more to be able to understand what exactly you're trying to do here. Sometimes I tell them, no, you should just go with traditional software. Blockchain is not for you. So it's 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 still evolving. I'm still learning. I'm a very, very, uh, you know, every day something new comes, a new protocol comes. I try to understand that. Uh, I have not been able to do a lot of research in blockchain myself, uh, but I have a PhD student who is working on uh, reverse, oh, sorry, drug counterfeiting in blockchain. How can we fix those problems? Uh, so yes, but I am myself going to pursue a few things in the in a very short period of time about blockchain architectures and optimization and things like that. So more business-like, but with a technical orientation. Well, Nikhil, um, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a pleasure and a really educational experience. Um, on behalf of Cryptocurrency Teens and our listeners, Thanks for I would listening like to this week's episode of the Cryptocurrency Teens Podcast. And if you advice. enjoyed this episode, thank you for subscribing to your favorite podcast app. Sure, and visit the CryptocurrencyTeens.com website to find extra resources and info. See you soon. Disclaimer, the views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Cryptocurrency Teens and its staff. Second disclaimer is that this is not financial advice. The information contained in this podcast is not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as financial advice. In general, the advice offered by our guests should be general advice about the cryptocurrency industry or the blockchain industry and not specific investment advice.